Welcome. Welcome to the Hope. It is such a joy. Uh, I've, I've been enjoying my grandkids this weekend, and uh, not just little Corbin, he's always with us, which we love, but my two granddaughters, Isabel and Evangeline, and they have been a, a blessing. I, I took, we just remodeled our bathroom. It's only taken us 20 years to do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, I had the giant refrigerator box left over. How many know kids would rather have a box than any other toy in the world? So we made a giant fort out of this thing, and literally you could put like 10 kids in there because it's giant. And they just had a blast with it yesterday, and Aunt Sarah helped them decorate it and all that stuff. But I've, I've just enjoyed family, uh, having them with us. And you know, there's nothing like that, is there? To be together. How many feel like the ch your church is closer to you than sometimes in your blood relatives? I mean, isn't that true? Because we're always together and we get to know each other. I wish I could see my family more, my blood relatives, but they all live down by Lansing, so it isn't as easy. But I really do look at you guys as family, and it's just good to be in, your, in here with you today, celebrating the Lord. I wanted to, to start something today, and it's funny, where's Karen? So I almost went with taking back what the enemy stole. Yeah, when you did that little song there at the end, I'm like, I hope I didn't miss it. I don't think I did. I really felt like the Lord wanted me to emphasize the importance of vision. So I'm calling this Catch the Vision. All right? Are you, are you familiar with that word a, a little bit? How many have a set of eyes? Point at them. Uh, if you can see, you're not pointing. Is this going to... Look, I, Ron, I'm not playing, man. When I go like that, you got to do that. And make sure that Judy does it too. And how did I not see you two weeks ago? You sat right there. It was like the Holy Spirit just didn't let me see you there. So anyway, welcome, old friends. Now they're never coming back because <laughs> I just embarrassed the snot out of them. We all have two eyes to see. Without your eyesight, it would become near impossible to get to wherever you're trying to navigate to, right? We went to the fantastic caverns once. Anybody been to something like that? What is that? Well, it's a cave that goes way deep into the earth. And it happened to be in fantastic caverns. They're limestone caves. And they drive you in in these little uh, gas-powered giant oversized golf carts. And they get you down in the bottom of the belly of this thing. And then they turn off the lights. And they don't warn you at first. You know, they just stop and you're like, oh, cool. You can hear the drips. Bloop. Bloop. And pitch dark. Pitch dark. You can hear your heartbeat. I don't know what it is about being in an environment like that. And then... And then you start getting a little nervous. What if they don't come back on? We're like half mile down in this thing. I ain't finding my way out. I saw crevices on the way in here. And then they slowly start turning the lights up, one little one at a time. And you can see again. And then you, you don't be, you're not as nervous once you can see the light, right? It was a good example of what it's like to be completely blind. As believers, we are mandated to live by faith. Tell your neighbor, live by faith. And let me explain. Some call it blind faith, and it's really not that. I want to emphasize this just a little bit. Years ago, we were asked to help a, a lady who was completely blind from birth, and she wanted us to come in and, and clean her house and help her organize. And we started the process, and, and let me tell you, I mean, blind people can't see. So when we went in there, we didn't let her know this, but we, there was a little bit of a, whoa. Because 
it was all over the mess. She couldn't see it to clean it up. So we started getting to work. Elbow grease. Pastor Barb went back, helped her organize her uh, bedroom, I think it was, as a couple of other guys helped me, and we just did a makeover in the, in the kitchen and dining area. And my curiosity got the best of me. I finally just said, how do you get around? How, how do you maneuver? And she goes, well, it was a little bit of practice, but I use my hearing a lot. She said, I have a, a, a presence. I kind of know where things are from oh, that kind of thing, running into stuff. Blind people don't like to move their furniture very often for that reason, because they can get around their house as long as you don't move stuff, because they know where it is. So what she said was, I use my, my other perceptions are heightened because I can't see with my eyes. And I thought that was pretty cool, and that's a lot like faith. Right? She couldn't see with her own eyeballs, but she knew things that were around her because of that perception, that added perception. As believers, we are expected not to live blind, not to, not to have blind faith, but to have faith using not these, but using our spirit eyes. When we live by faith, we're not blind. We simply use God's spiritual tools to see what's ahead, what's in that darkness. However, we are blind to the Spirit until what? Who said it? Raise your hand. Good job. You're blind until you become born again. What we did just before communion. When you pray and ask the Lord to come into your life, when you ask him to forgive you of your sins, you are changed from the inside out. The old man is no more. You are now a new creation in Christ. Right? Which means God takes the blinders off when you become born again. And I like to look at it as though you're looking through God's filter. You know, until we're born again, we, we use the man-made filter. But once we're saved and the Holy Spirit lives in us, we use God's filter. Everything we see around us represents Him, and we realize that. Prior to becoming born again, we can't see it. So everything's about us. Everything's about man. Right? How many can say amen? amen. Jesus rebuked the religious leaders. Now these guys should have known better. He rebuked them for being blind. And let me just put this up. He told them, he said, I entered this world to render judgment. To give sight to who? The blind. And to show those who think they see that they are blind. Now, what do you think Jesus is talking about here? True blindness? Spiritual. Spiritual. Yes, he healed the blind, the physically blind. But here he's talking about that spiritual blindness that we have from birth. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and they asked, are you saying we're blind? <laughs> yeah. Duh. If you were blind, Jesus said, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Ooh. They should have known better. All the prophecies predicted that Jesus was coming. 300 of them in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. And when he came, what did they do? Ha! Huh, it must be Beelzebub. Right? Jesus is out there healing the sick. It must be Beelzebub. Yeah. Would we do the same today? I don't know. I hope we'd recognize him. But would we? A few chapters later, Jesus told his followers this in John chapter 12. My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. 
Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they're going. And this is my highlight. Put your trust in the light. That light is Jesus. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. Raise your hand if you're a child of the light. Hallelujah. And if you're not, by the end of the service, I'll give you an opportunity to become one. I don't want anybody leaving here today blind, spiritually speaking. Now, the good news. One of the things that Jesus said, and he blew people's minds when he did this. He walked into the temple. It was his turn to speak. He unrolls the scrolls, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to who? The poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. What's that next one? The blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. How many can get excited about that? We are living in, and I feel personally, this is the last day, we are living in the time of the favor of God. We have experienced some amazing things in our services so far this year, and I, I don't think they're even going to begin. You know what an iceberg does? You can only see the tip. That's what we've seen so far. I think what's under the water, what's under our perception, is so big and so vast, we are going to see miracle after miracle here at this church. But we've got to be ready for it. God isn't going to pour something on us that we aren't ready for. He wants His church to prepare itself. We have to be good ground. God's not going to just pour the good seed into us if we're not ready. And that's what this vision is all about. And I want to get into that more this week and next. Jesus came to give us sight. Tell your neighbor that right now. Jesus came to give us sight. Sight into the spirit realm. But that sight comes only after making that decision for Jesus Christ and turning from your sinful ways. Amen? Amen. Then you will see God's revelation. One of the things I remember so distinctly, 1981, uh, I was born again at the end of April. Almost there. When it happened, and I had a Bible prior to that, but I never read it. I started opening that Bible up, looking at those words, and it was like God would take this spotlight and shine it on a text. And I would just be like, wow, that's for me. And it happened over and over and over. And I just remember... It didn't happen after I became mature. But when I was a young babe in the Lord, baby, infant, immature yet, oh, God, just... And it's still today, I can read passages that I've read a hundred times, and all of a sudden, God will just drill it home and say, this is for you. And it's like he took a, a yellow and orange highlighter and just went all over it. I can't miss what he's trying to say. God speaks to you through the scriptures. So if you aren't reading your scriptures, you're missing half the vision God's trying to give you. Hello? I hope I'm not preaching to myself today. There are things he wants to show us, God revelations, that we cannot see with these. And that's the problem. Too many Christians go through this life only looking with these. Your physical eyes. When God's saying, I've got so much more for you. But you've got to start looking at things from my perspective. With my God eyes. Barb and I were raised under spiritual authority at Mount Hope Church in Lansing. That's where we landed. That was the first solid church we landed at in 1981. Pastor Dave Williams had just taken the pulpit. He just became their lead pastor, and um, we fell in love with the church. You know, again, we were brand new Christians. 
didn't know what to do or how to do it. But I was simple enough in faith, I didn't need to know all that. Just one step at a time. You know what? That's all God requires. I'm not going off the end, guys. One step at a time. God doesn't expect you to be a scholar. Just, oop, there. He doesn't. All he wants from you is start taking baby steps toward him. Start trusting the word of God in your life, in your family's life, if you're not already. That's all he asks of you. And watch and see what happens if you'll do this. Your life, your family's life, including those in distant relatives, their lives will change as well. Wherever you plant your stakes, do you know you have the favor of God on you? And it will bless others directly, as well as your own family, of course. The Lord's favor has come. I love that. One of the things that Dave did so well is he educated us on the importance of vision. Say vision. Vision unites. Lone rangers divide. What's a lone ranger? Somebody that has their own ministry, their own thing to do, but they don't need anybody else's help. They're all that. That's not the hope. We're in this together. When you're a lone ranger, it's like you're playing tug of war with the enemy. You're fighting yourself. The church is in a tug of war with itself. When we should be united. And I'm not just talking local. I'm talking, you get where I'm going. We should all, if you love Jesus and he has saved you from your sins, we should be together. One body. One Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit's in us as in them. And in them. And in them. You get where I'm going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We learned that if everybody does their own thing, nothing of value will be accomplished. There's no room for lone rangers in the kingdom of God. But when everyone gets on board, and I, I love this picture. This isn't the one from 300, but if you saw that movie. Basically, it's showing how the soldiers got together with their shields and they were impenetrable. They were up against, in the, in the movie, they were up against tens of thousands of enemy soldiers. And they just about defeated them with how many guys? 300. 300. What could the church do if we were together? Lock in arms. It's so important that we get this message. When we begin working together, we accomplish more kingdom goals. Not only is ministry more enjoyable, and some of my fondest memories come from years past, when I first started out as a baby Christian, and I did silly things, not silly, necessary things that weren't all that important, like locking up the doors and windows after the service. Now, our church, to start with, wasn't huge, a little bigger than this one, but it took time. Somebody had to do it, and a friend of mine and myself, his name was Scott, Scott and I went around and we locked up the building after the Sunday night service. We did this for years, became deeply good friends, deep good friends. And did it take a little time? Sure. Because some, some nights those services would go till 10 o'clock at night. Way past my bedtime. And we would have to wait. And once everybody got out, we ran around. We, and we had fun locking up the building. 
He's still a good friend of mine today. Ministry together builds character, builds relationships, builds the love between you and me. In our church, it grew exponentially as a result. I'm talking about being unified, doing things together, having the same vision. When we left Mount Hope in 2000, the church was averaging about five to 6,000 people on Sunday morning. When I started there in 81, we were running about 200. And not, I'm not identifying numbers just to go, ooh, look at that. I'm identifying numbers because God is in the growth business. If God's touching something, it's going to grow. Plain and simple. You think he's up there going, oh, I want my church to die. No. But it takes unity. We have to be doing similar or the same things. And I'm going to talk about this a lot more next week, but I wanted to emphasize this right here. Starting this Wednesday, this is where the leadership of this church, and you, you could say to me, I'm not a leader. You don't have to be, but you might be at the end of this if you'll take it. I highly recommend that you take this, pace-setting leadership, so that we'll all know what God's expecting of us. So we, we can do this together, like these guys. And we'll be stronger. Say stronger together. That's what happens when we all catch the vision. And Pastor Dave is a master of vision casting. That's not all you'll learn. You'll learn things that will change your life. It will make your home life better. It's worth the investment. I know Pastor Barb has gone through this, I think, 30 times plus with uh, two or three individual people. And every time she comes out of there, she goes, man, I always come out with something new, something I didn't see already. It will change your life. Pace-setting leadership. Starting this Wednesday at 6 p.m., join us. That's my plug. What does the Bible say about vision? I wanted to share this passage from two different versions. The ESV is, is more of a literal translation uh, from the uh, Hebrew, just so you know that. And, and I wanted to put that in there just so that you'd see it. And then the Proverbs 29 18 in the Amplified, that second one. Let's read this. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Again, two things that are connected here. What God's saying to do in this, his word. You can't separate the two. When you get a vision, it had better line up with this. If it doesn't, and too many churches are out there today, heretical churches that disagree with, well, they didn't really mean that. God... God didn't really mean that. Yes, he did. This is our standard. And if you get a vision, it had better line up with the Word of God. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, meaning chaos. But blessed is he who keeps the law. And then the Amplified. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. A little bit stronger language. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. I like that. So when you get the vision, and I'm going to talk about how God uses the pastor typically, going back even looking at Moses, uh, back in the book of Exodus, when God gives the vision, usually it's to an individual, and then that person ends up sharing it with the church. Now, according to the people that are living on purpose, Proverbs 29, 18 serves as a reminder that for us to truly live, 
to experience the abundance God has in mind for us, it's essential to have at least some sense of what God's calling us to do. Can I get a good amen? We need to know what God wants to do with the church. What's he want to do with us corporately and individually? Only when we have clarity about how God might want to use us to serve him and others can we take the tangible everyday steps that we need to get there, those baby steps. You've got to get a vision for what God wants to do. What I see in the church, and I'm just speaking from experience, too many people don't have a clue about what God wants to do with them. And it's a shame. Because every single person in this room has a gift or a talent that needs to be used for the kingdom to grow, to advance. We pray it in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven... Thy kingdom come, thy what? Do you really want the will of God? On earth as it is in heaven? Then you need to catch a vision for your life. You can't just keep going through this life. Never looking up, never seeking Him. Lord, what do you have? What do you want me to do? We need a vision. So vision is the way that God guides us or helps us discover our purpose. One former pastor said that vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. It's a picture of the future that produces passion. When you catch a vision for what God wants to do in your life, it is going to produce passion. You'll love doing it. Believe it or not, I loved locking up. That was my, at that time, that was my gift. Anybody could lock up a window or a door, but they weren't anointed for it. I was. Scott was. It was our job. And man, and you know what? I didn't say this. When we did it, we prayed. When, how many know after God does something amazing, Pastor Dave used to call, and you'll hear about this in pace setting. I'm not trying to emphasize that overly. Yes, I am. He calls it the Leviathan's tail. Whenever a miracle happens, whenever good things happen, you see the fruit of God there. The Leviathan's tail usually comes back around and it tries to swipe you on the way out. And a lot of people get taken out by that. So what Scott and I did as we were running around that church, and I know it's just a physical building, but we would pray against the enemy's tactics and that God would be glorified in that place. And I believe it worked. Not just because of us. We had intercessors too. But we were a part of that family, a part of that team. We had the vision for what we needed to do. How many here are excited about what you do from the Lord? Assuming you do something. <laughs> you should be. If you're not, you need to take pace setting leadership. Shameless plug again. I can't emphasize this enough. Where is this church going? We need people to take this class to get a heartbeat for what Pastor Barb and I are trying to do here in Gaylor, Michigan. I believe this is going to drive us into new territory if we're all on the same page. And we will be if we take this class together. By the end of the eight weeks, as Pastor Barb said, you will have a clue about what God wants you to do. So if you're not sure, of course, you can continue sitting around, doing your own thing, being a Lone Ranger. That's up to you. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a Lone Ranger. Let's do this together. Say that. All right? We are stronger together. God wants to do something bigger than you can do yourself. That's one of the things we see in the church over and over and over. God can take two or three and multiply those efforts. Hallelujah. Okay. How many have ever read the book of Revelation? About 20% of you? 
or maybe 60, but 30 of you or 40 of you didn't raise your hand, you lazy. The Apostle John, what's he known as? John the Revelator. I like that. John, I don't have a cool name like that. John the Revelator. He wrote the book of Revelation. And it begins with Revelation 1. <laughs> Come on. Hey, you guys, it, it's a simple message. Verse 1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ. Who's it from? which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present the revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. How cool is that? Now before you think, oh gosh, I wish I was John the revelator. What did God have to do to get John... To revelate. Where'd he put him? He, he, he banished him to the island of Patmos. So that John would be tuned into God. Exactly, not distracted. So before you think, oh, I wish that was me. No. There was a price. The revelation came from Jesus. An angel presented it to John. And what did John do with it? Very important. I'll get into this more next week. Revelation is a report of what John saw and heard as it was presented to him by God through the angel or the messenger. As awesome as these two verses are, I wanted to jump ahead a little bit to chapter 4. And this can be us. It can be us. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open. Now, he'd just written down everything about the seven churches, all right? So he went through all that. And now, now that he's getting warmed up. I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. Verse 2, my highlight. And instantly I was in the Spirit. And I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. How many would agree that's a vision? He was in the Spirit. What does that mean for the church? You want to be, you want to catch the vision? You got to be in the Spirit. You know, I love it. Martha Joe spoke last Sunday. Thank you for that, by the way. And she talked about the tent of meeting. What did they do in the tent of meeting? They heard from God. Yes. That's what you do. You try to set aside all the stuff. How many have kids? You don't have kids? Oh, come on. Really? I feel sorry for you guys. She just totally ignores you. Nope, I ain't got no kids. Ain't laying claim to them. <laughs> they just follow me everywhere I go. I don't know why. I am really picking on you. That's probably why God didn't let me see you last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was your... Anyhow, let's get back on task here. If you want to hear from God, if you really want to catch the vision, you've got to find a place where you can be alone with Him. You've heard this before. Nothing new. But it's key to catching a vision. It really is. John D. Berry said that vision is witnessing something supernatural. 
that is not visible to the naked eye. Let me say that again. Vision is witnessing something supernatural that is not visible to the naked eye. Notice how similar that explanation or quotation is to the word faith and the definition of faith. Let's look at these together. Oops. You got ahead of me. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Say it with me. Hebrews 11.1 1, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now, read that next definition from John D. Berry. Vision is witnessing something supernatural that is not visible to the naked eye. Doesn't that sound similar? Vision, to have vision, you have to have what? Faith. You must have faith. This is the reason that people can't see God things because they don't have faith. What does it require? To believe God exists. Hebrews 11.6 Yes, we go over that all the time. You must believe that He exists. Hallelujah. I might add that the... That most who get a vision for a particular move of God or a ministry change, if you will, that they find themselves having to explain that vision. Not only that it's from God, but that it's doable. When you get something from God, if it isn't bigger than yourself, it's not from God. Because God does things big. And when you accomplish something in the supernatural, he wants to make sure he gets the glory, not Norm or Barb or anybody else. But God will give you a vision that is so much bigger than yourself, and sometimes you might even be a little intimidated by it, a little bit scared by it. When God says... 60 years old, I want you to go back to school and get your master's. You're going to go, what? I couldn't do it on my own. And I knew that. And I had people praying for me. And I give God all the glory that I made it through. And I think I'm better for it. God will give you a vision for your life, but... It's going to be bigger than you, and you can't accomplish it on your own. You have to have faith. Thank you. You're starting to get it. If a man can do it, it's not from God. When a vision is from God, it's only doable through the miraculous. Barry went on to say that vision requires a faith requires faith and it may be related to God's working in the present or the future right and may involve the ability to see spiritual entities at work in the physical world now i've had so many of you come to me i saw angels and and i get pumped every time you say it to me cuz i believe it's happening even right now they're coming and they're go- they're they're coming and they're going Right now, they're bringing messages to you. They're delivering things from God Himself. Right now, Jesus is mediating on your behalf. Right, He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and right now, He's praying for you. And the angels are bringing the answers and the, the, the good stuff, the blessings, if you will. So many of you have had dreams. Same thing. I'm going to get into this more next week, but out of Joel 2, 28, 29, that our young men are going to dream dreams. Our old men are going to have visions. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's what I thought too, but I had it reversed. I am dyslexic. (laughs) Anyway, my point is this. God is doing this in the church today. And he wants to do the miraculous. 
but we have to receive from him. As I begin to close, when visions are given to the people of God, there is a desired result. Hear this. God doesn't just give a vision so that his people can say, Ooh, look at what I heard from the Lord. No. There's a purpose. There needs to be fruit born from whatever it is that he gives you. If it's really from him, there will be. Right? Say this with me. Visions have eternal purpose. Always. If they're from God, they will always have an eternal purpose. God doesn't waste his time or yours. Second, visions require faith. Say that with me. Visions require faith. You can't hear from God without exercising your faith. But when he speaks, you're going to know it. You're going to have that peace in your inner self and you're going to be going, oh, 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 I heard from the Lord. I have a message from God. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for the church. If it's for the church, what should you do? Share it. Write it down. I love it when you come to me with, I wrote this down for you. Here's an email, pastor. This is what the dream was or this is what the vision was. Why? So I can go back and look at it and confirm it and make sure. Because if you share this with me right after service today, you know what I'm going to (laughs) remember? Not much. (laughs) But if you send it to me, to my email, normatgaylordchurch.com, I can look it over, I can read it, I can confirm it in prayer, and then maybe even share it. Vision unites. Say it with me. Vision unites the people of God. We need this. We're we're running helter-skelter. We all need to be on the same page. Doing what God's called the people of the hope to do. And I'm not trying to... God's moving all over. I'm just talking about here, right now. I'm talking local today, okay? Vision gives purpose to the individuals, and to the church. Without that, you kind of feel like, why am I doing this? You know? We need to understand what God's trying to do. What is his purpose for this church? For my life, for my family's life. What is he telling me I need to do? And you might say, well, geez, I'm so late. I haven't done anything yet. You know what I love about God? Today's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. And if you will start today, (laughs) seek Him. Pray and ask, Lord, what is my purpose? Give me a vision for my life, for this church that I'm going to, if this is your church. And ladies, if you end up somewhere else, you need to take this with you. This isn't just a message for Gaylord. This is a message for the church at large. Wherever you land, be it Lansing, Flint, Elsie, wherever it is, God will use you if you'll invite him in. And you think he, does God know the future? So he can tell you things today that are going to happen in six months from now. Ministries that you're going to be involved in. And let me tell you what, if you want to get strong, get involved in a ministry. Hallelujah. Sorry, I hope that's already kind of preaching to you there a little bit, but... Vision gives hope. The church must catch the vision. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you again for everything you're doing here. 
this church is excited, Lord. There's, there's something going on, and we, we recognize it. We can't necessarily put our finger on it yet, but Lord, we believe that you are releasing new anointings in this church. Lord, you are releasing faith like never before, that some of these people in this room today are going to do things beyond the natural, getting into the supernatural. You're going to use them to bring healing into relationships, into physical bodies. Lord, you're going to use this church to reach the lost, to remove the blinders, to set the captives free. We are your disciples, Lord. We are your followers. And we pray today that you would have your way with every single individual in this body, whether young or old, Lord. We're not finished until we're in heaven. So use us, Lord, and help us to catch the vision for what you're trying to do in 2023. And I said I would do this before, and I just want to finish with this. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Norm, I haven't made that decision for Jesus yet. But I I really want to hear from him. I want the blinders to be removed. And I believe that Jesus took my place on that cross. If that's you... Would you just shoot your hand up real quick so I can see it? Anybody? Yes, anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together as a family. And if you pray this prayer and you mean business, I believe that the angels in heaven are going to be rejoicing here in just a minute. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus who took my place on the cross at Calvary. Today, I confess my sins, known and unknown. Forgive me, Lord, for not serving you, for not going after you with a passion. Today, change me from the inside out. I want to be like Jesus. I even want to look like Jesus in a spiritual sense. And Lord, today, help me to live my life for you all the days I have left. And help me to catch a vision for my life, what you have for me, my purpose. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for a future. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. And I always emphasize this because we have this wonderful little book, booklet, the a little green booklet called The Start of Something Wonderful. If you haven't gotten a copy, even if you're already born again, just get one because it's a wonderful tool. It shows you 26 things to help uh, get your, your life shooting toward God, doing the things God would expect from you, and uh, you will be blessed from it. Father, thank you again for what you're doing at the Hope, and we just commit every person in this room, our children, Lord, who are on the other ends of the building, bless them, keep them safe, and Lord, as we come and go, help us to let our light shine. We are all children of God, and our light should shine brightly, and I pray that for everyone here. May we drag someone in here next week that doesn't know you, or maybe more persuadingly, but get them here anyway. Offer them donuts, breakfast, after, lunch, whatever it takes. But Lord, help us to grow this kingdom. To you be all the glory and all the praise. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless. Hope you have a great week in Jesus.